Hey fiends, it's the mad scientist Anthony Bowman here. Before we get into the episode proper, I just wanted to tell y'all that Eric and I recently guested on the Last Book on the Shelf podcast. A uh, longtime friend of the show, Hayden, along with his buddies TJ and John, uh, they invited us on to talk about Mary Shelley's novel, and obviously we can't pass up a chance to talk about Frankenstein. Uh, so that's out now, wherever you get your podcast. Don't miss it. Take it away, spooky piano man. The hosts feel it would be a little unkind to present this podcast without just a word of friendly warning. We are about to unfold the story of Frankenstein, a man of science who sought to create a man after his own image without reckoning upon God. It is one of the strangest tales ever told. It deals with the two great mysteries of creation, life and death. I think it will thrill you. It may shock you. It might even horrify you. So if any of you feel that you do not care to subject your nerves to such a strain, now's your chance to. Well, we've warned you. Hello, and welcome once again to the Frankencast. I'm the mad scientist, Anthony Bowman. My pronouns are he, him, and I'm joined as always by... The sketchy hypnotist that is Eric Velasquez. My pronouns are also he, him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so this is kind of a neat sort of change up for us. We're doing Frankenstein the True Story Part Mm -hmm. 1, which is, yeah, it's kind of fun, like, not having the whole, whole story to talk about here. Well, not yet, but yeah, we're getting there. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there next week, but it's it's kind of interesting just, like, having a cliffhanger episode. We've, yeah. we've not done that before. Hmm. Uh, so um, I noticed, like, I know you know, the version that you watched is a little bit different than the version I watched at the beginning. Um, and so, I was, like, I have the, the older DVD, and there's, like, a weird sort of teaser thing at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like... There's like a carriage approaching a castle, and like the Polidori character played by James Mason gets out of the carriage, uh, and like he he introduces himself to like a, a man standing there, and then he looks right at the camera and he's like, "Yes, I'm Polidori, but not yet." And then it cuts to James Mason, the actor, not in costume, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like walking through um, through modern day England. And starts talking about Mary Shelley, and then walks into a graveyard and points out her grave. Uh, and then he's like, "So tonight we're gonna get into the real story of Frankenstein." And then there's just like an almost five minutes of clips from the movie, and I was just like, "What is the point?" I mean, I, I guess this Spoiler. was yeah, it was something I guess for when it aired on TV to like you know right. tease people or whatever. But yeah, it was a the the, the like you know. James Mason, the actor bit was pretty funny, but then the like the clips seemed super unnecessary. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out because that sounds <laughs> sounds interesting at the very least. Yeah, but uh, we'll but, get to Paul Dory. <laughs> but then we get like the Red Book, which is I think right. where yours started, right? And yeah, it started uh, at the book with the not. Uh, it opens up and like there's this weird fla- like abstract looking flower that turns into like a real cutout of an actual flower, and then moves on. Yeah, yeah, I think it's like a like supposed to be like a pressed flower that's then like regenerated into life. So you know, yeah. obviously Frankenstein stuff. You know, uh, yeah, regeneration, all that. <laughs> but yeah, then we get the whole list of all the actors. Was some fairly big names. I mean, what we have David McCollum, who I believe was in um, was it NCIS, um, the one with Mark Harmon, uh, a couple other things. I mean, the guy the guy's not a shabby actor at all. Um, yeah, yeah, he's definitely been in a you know a handful of things, and then Jane Seymour, right? Uh, something Quinn, the Medicine Woman. Yeah, Doctor Quinn, Doctor Quinn, the Medicine Woman. Woman. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know going back there, uh, then you know uh, I don't remember what Nicole Paget has been in, but then as you said, we have um, James Mason as Polidori. Yeah, he's probably like the biggest name you know actor from this, but right. And then we have, yeah. uh, what, Leonard Whiting as uh, Frankenstein and Michael Sarazen as the creature. Yeah, and he's one of those guys, uh, like, I recognize him, but I couldn't yeah. quite place him. He's been in quite a few things over the years. A lot, of, yeah, a lot of genre stuff, like action-y things. And, mm-hmm. 
but yeah, he's, he's been in quite a bit. He just kind of has like a severe face. Like he's just good for like, you know, bad guys in action movies and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he is one of those that guy actors, right? Mm-hmm. So once the credits in, we uh, we start. Victor is on a picnic with Elizabeth. Yeah, this is kind of a weird scene because it's like it's almost like they're um, giving some some backstory, but it's also the the only story we've gotten so far. <laughs> yeah, and it's like this diverts from the. It's funny, you know, we were talking about that like. This came out a couple months after the Dan Curtis one we talked about a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And this one kind of like overshadowed that one. It was way more popular uh, and kind of continued to be the one discussed. But this one, despite being called Frankenstein, the true story, like diverts so much from the book. Right. Uh, like right, right here, right out of the gate. Yeah, they're on this picnic. And then we see like uh, William... He's like, hey, uh, let's he... go swimming. I'm in this boat in this pond. Let's go swimming, Victor. <laughs> and then the canoe flips, and he <laughs> clearly clearly does not need to be swimming because he can't, and he drowns. Right. I do like how Victor just runs out there and like, he's drowning. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. You could do something about that maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously, you know, in, in the novel, the creature kills William. So our, right away, things are very different here. And this William uh, seems more like a what Ernest age would be in the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not, as, not a the baby child. William. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels like this is like their version of like the mom dying from, you know, yeah. from the flu or whatever. Because this is like the catalyst for Victor to want to do his experiments. Well, yeah, I mean, that makes sense because in this version, we don't see alphonse or mom at all yeah it's pretty much william victor and then elizabeth's family in fact it almost seems like victor has been adopted into (laughs) elizabeth's family instead of vice versa but it's kind of hard like he 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 says like you you're as kind to me as a real father and i don't know if it's just like you know like you might say that to a friend's Mm -hmm. father or if it's like you know you're my adopted father and yeah it, it doesn't really come up beyond like one brief conversation Right. Uh, yeah, it's kind of strange. But also, they changed Elizabeth from uh, Lavenza to uh, Fanshawe. Yeah. What, what's the, what's up with that? Do we know? Have we figured that out? Just uh, yeah, just... I'm not sure. Okay, fair enough. But yeah, so after he drowns, we pretty much cut to his funeral, mm-hmm. and Victor is like pretty upset during the funeral. Like he walks out of the middle of it. Right, especially uh, when the preacher's going on about God, the Lord giveth and taketh away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Elizabeth follows him out to try to comfort him. And he's like, anybody can create death. Anybody can kill someone. But why, ha- as humans, have we not figured out how to create life yet? Right. And Liz is like, well, well, everyone can do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's like, we'll do that one for married. Yeah. And he's like, no, 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 no. That's base. That's, uh, <laughs> you know, animals could do that. And she's like, oh, she shot. It's like, well, yeah. thank you for comparing us to animals. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, life out of life is nothing, but I want to create life out of death. Right. And she's already like, well, that's kind of sacrilegious. And he's like, hey, you know, if Satan himself would teach me, I'm I'm all on board. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so already this one's got a dark, like, he, he's got some darkness already within him. Mm-hmm. And so he decides that he wants to go back to continue his studies. He's, like, studying at a hospital. It's almost like a residency kind of thing. As opposed to like the, you know, Ingolstadt University. Which, this is another thing that threw me off. So Richard Fanshawe, um, Elizabeth's dad, was like, hey, you're now a full-fledged doctor. What are you going to do now? And then Victor's like, I'm going to go back and study more. <laughs> okay. You could have yeah, practice. And he's like, I, yeah, he's like, I could set you up with a practice. It'd be great. And he's like, you know, thanks. You know, you're, you're, you've are been as kind to me mm-hmm. uh, as a real father would have been, but... You know, I've got to do this. So then, like, it's it cuts to him, like, on the road to the hospital, and they come upon, like, a man who was injured in, like, a some kind of mill or something. Yeah, uh, I almost like, his thought arm it was a carriage accident. <laughs> uh, yeah, it could have been. It's Yeah, it, he, his arm got, like, crushed or something. Mm-hmm. So they... <laughs> Victor's kind of, like, doing, like, a rideshare thing. Like, he's in, in this carriage with some other guy. Uh, that he's like not, you know, friends with or anything. Right, and the, and the then, guy's the, just like a busybody, like kind of, oh, what are you all about, blah blah blah. And then whenever Victor gets the guy in there, he's like, I am very upset that you brought someone else into this carriage. <laughs> he's like, I'm in a hurry, and Victor's like, Well, I was going to the hospital anyway, so right. we're, we're we're going to the same place, so and no this big guy's deal. About to die, so you know, I think he <laughs> takes priority here. Yeah. yeah. 
so he gets to the hospital and the nurses kind of like send him to surgery and there he meets Henry Clerval. Wait, Dr. Henry Clerval as opposed to his friend Henry Clerval? Yeah, it, so it's just like a jumble of like character names and stuff. <laughs> and like Henry kind of seems to be, he. I mean, he's more the like catalyst for the creation than Victor in this mm-hmm. story. Yeah. Uh, it, it, this version should almost be called Clerval instead of Frankenstein. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, you know, they, they get the guy on the table and, you know, Clerval's like, what do you think we need to do with this guy? And Victor's like, I mean, obviously this arm needs to be amputated. And he's like, I love how he's you like, said you said, it said that. You said that. <laughs> and it's like, oh, did he get him into a trap? What's he doing? <laughs> I mean, it's kind of obvious what he's doing, but, you know. Yeah. And so, uh, so they do the amputation. And that's a and beautiful then- arm. yeah yeah henry's definitely like kind of creepy in this yeah he's really creepy (laughs) but so that yeah after the the procedure victor and henry kind of talk a little bit you know that like victor's like i really want to learn i want to you know grow and clerval's like you know the professors here are all stuck in the past there's like this whole new science that's coming uh, and I think it could give man power over death. And yeah. Victor's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. power over death, you say? Right, he's on board already. Yeah. But, it's, but yeah, Clerval's like, these. everyone here is a, too afraid to grasp this new power. But not me. Yeah. So, like, they're going to go up to Clerval's room. They're, like, headed up the stairs. And then he has some sort of, like, attack, some sort of spell or something. It and almost just seems like, like a heart attack, right? To a degree. Yeah, he like collapses and kind of falls down the steps, and then he's like, "I medicine, you know." And so like Victor gets out, you know, a pill and gives it to him, and then he's okay. Like, a, yeah, if it's like a heart attack, like a nitroglycerin pill, maybe mm-hmm. that could be it. Uh, but when he fell, he dropped his this like suitcase that fell open, and inside is the amputated arm. arm. <laughs> he was smuggling an arm in there. Yeah, and so he's like, well, "Yeah, he, yeah, he you got up. me." Yeah, jigs up on this, so. Uh... <laughs> Uh, so yeah, he's like, yeah, I want to use it for experiments. Mm-hmm. And Victor's like, okay. So then like the, it cuts to like later on and Victor enters this church and sees that Clerval's sitting like a, you know, in a pew ahead of him. Uh, and he's like, I haven't, you know, you've been hidden away for weeks. Uh, and I've been looking for you because all the professors, like you said, they're all scared. They're all obsessed with their faith. They, uh, you know, they're not pushing things forward the way that I want. And Clerval's like, you know, I mean, their faith is, you know, it kind of holds them back in a lot of ways. But, you know, I, I believe in resurrection as well because I've seen it. Right. He knows how to raise the dead. Yeah. And of course, that definitely intrigues Victor. And he's like, all right, you got to show me what you're doing because this is this is why I'm here. And oh, my gosh, he takes them to a literal haunted mansion that he bought. <laughs> <laughs> literally explicitly says i got a dirt cheap because it's haunted okay cool we know where this is going all right <laughs> yeah and so then we get to see clerval's lab that is the you know the frankenstein lab we're used to seeing like it's you know all kinds of weird contraptions and in fact he pulls out this strange sort of glass box mm-hmm. uh and he hands victor a dead beetle and is like this is dead right and victor's like yeah, I mean, it's definitely a, just a dead beetle. By the way, so. can we mention, like, I do love the fact that before a lot of the, the Frankenstein slash, you know, mad scientists in, in these movies, they're like magicians, right? They want you to verify that the thing is dead before they do anything with it. They're like, please, <laughs> yeah. please verify that this body is in fact dead before I resurrect it. Of course, <laughs> yeah. Look inside the box. Right. There's no false panels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In this case, there's a lot of diodes, but we're good. <laughs> so, yep. So they put the beetle in the glass case and, you know, um, run revive it, basically. Yeah, yeah They it, run generic electricity through it and it comes to life. Yeah. And so Clerval says that, like, so he's using electricity, but it's not lightning electricity. It's some sort of power generated by the sun. Yeah. Well, I mean, that his old professor, Polidori, <laughs> presumably John Polidori, uh, the guy who was actually in the uh, the cabin with um, Mary Shelley, uh, Lord Byron, everyone else. Uh, oh, what's the husband's name? Piercy Shelley? Percy. Percy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for some unknown reason, instead of using, like, you know, Professor Baldwin or, or Krempa that we're used to seeing, like, yeah, they just used Polidori, the guy who wrote that, like, long narrative poem about a vampire while they were on this trip. Right. Maybe he's the vampire. Dun, dun, dun. He was the vampire the entire time. Yeah. 
<laughs> but yeah, so he yeah, like Polidori's not into this whole like he doesn't believe that that this sun energy that that he's using is is good or safe or whatever. Well, he doesn't like electricity anyway because anytime there's a storm, he hides in his closet. <laughs> That's a weird detail, but okay, we'll go with it. And the one nice touch about this whole like the sun thing is as opposed to like lightning that comes from like storms and rain and everything, mm-hmm. this really brings in the whole like Prometheus, you know, Frankenstein the modern Prometheus. So like Clerval is bringing down fire from the gods, from the sun and using it to create life. But listen, this is the most green uh, version of Frankenstein we've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm referring to the solar panels. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. metaphorically... I mean, you know, Boris Karloff was absolutely the greenest Frankenstein <laughs> monster that we've ever seen. But you know. yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> environmentally friendly. How about that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so yeah, clever. Like he shows that it's yeah, it's like you said. There's like solar panels, and then there's like all of these mirrors and lenses that kind of like refract and like expand on the energy, and and that's that's his whole plan for creating life is using this elaborate array. Right. Uh, it he, almost looks like the Archimedes death laser. <laughs> yeah. Or death ray. He also, at, at, while they're up there, shows him the arm, mm-hmm. uh, which is in this, like, you know, big fish tank, because we got to have a big fish tank full of, like, yeah. weird li- liquid. That is, this is the floppiest arm I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it's just, like, wet rubber that's right. just, like, hanging. And then, like, all of a sudden it comes to life, you know, and it's, like, a real arm that's just off screen, you know, right. like. Crawling along. Somebody. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, somebody's off screen just holding their arm up mm-hmm. uh, and it like grabs Victor. <laughs> just kind of a silly gag, but you know, you got to love it. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> At that point, so then we cut away to Elizabeth who is talking to her mother. They're both kind of concerned that, you know, they're not, they haven't heard much from Victor lately. They're afraid something might be coming between them and that the engagement might be off. And Elizabeth's like, well, I don't really want to pressure him because I, I feel like that's only going to, you know, cause more problems. I'll be bold when the time comes. Yeah, yeah. So the next day, Liz arrives at... Pre- <laughs> <laughs> right? I thought the same thing. <laughs> I, guess, I guess she just had to think about it for like, overnight. Yeah. I guess the time came. It yeah. was the next day. So, yeah, she shows up, and she wants to see what's going on. And and Victor is, like, happy to see her. Uh, this isn't, like, the usual, like, cranky Victor that's, like, you know, I'm, I'm busy, I've got my stuff. But instead, we've got Clerval doing that. You know, he's he's not happy that Elizabeth's there no, no. interrupting he wants, everything. He wants Victor all to himself. He doesn't want yeah. to share you know, he's like, I'll give you to the room. And he like leaves. Victor's all excited about all the progress. And he's like, you know, I really want to show you what we're up to. And she's like, I'm going to be part of your life. I want to know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And he's like, all right, come back tonight. And I will show you something that, you know, that will amaze you. You just won't believe what you're going to see. Yeah, she sees. Well, first, she does see this like butterfly that she really likes uh, in Henry's collection. Yeah, he's got a lot of like insect, you know, with the beetle and stuff. He's got a lot of insects like taxidermy pinned to, to boards and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and but, yep, that, that will come back right away because, you know, then we just cut to that deal. night. Yeah. And Victor has just he didn't even show her the like he just does it before she gets there the uh the butterfly is now alive so we see you know it's that same you know yellow butterfly and there's a space missing on the the you know the panel on the wall where it was conspicuously with all with all just this little white space amidst <laughs> all these other things yeah yeah but elizabeth is not excited about that it really freaks her out and like before they can really get into it Clerval arrives, and he's also not happy about this. Well, damn it, you resurrected one of my most favorite dead butterflies. (laughs) I enjoyed it because it was dead. (laughs) And you showed it to her, and she should not be in the middle of this. I don't want her involved. Uh, So they kind of, like, go into the other room to argue, and while they're out of the room... We get a flappy butterfly! (laughs) (laughs) Not a flappy bat. Flappy butterfly. (laughs) Uh, but not for long, because Elizabeth just smashes it with a book. <laughs> yep. She's like, I, you know, it's almost like Pet Cemetery or something. Like, she's going to convince that this butterfly is going to, like, turn evil, so she's got to kill it. Well, to a degree, it almost menaces her. Like, it comes at her for a little bit, but then it's like, this is a butterfly. What's it going to do? <laughs> yeah. 
So then um, she just runs out and then, you know, Victor and Claire will come back in the room, see that she's gone, see the smash butterfly and Victor takes off after her. Right. Yeah. So he just like, you know, catches up to her pretty quick, like out in the street. And she's just like, you know, this is evil. I can't, you know, I don't want you to do this. You need to choose me or your work. So, of course, you know, you know, you know what Victor's going to choose, at least for the time being. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like no question. He's just like, I got to do this work. It's important. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that's like the last we see of Elizabeth for a while. Like uh, he's dedicated to this work. So then we uh, the landlady shows up and, you know, tells Victor and Henry that there was an accident at a quarry. Well, can we take a step back, though? Like as as Liz is walking out. Like, this lady runs past, and she's like, have you heard the good news? And I'm like, (laughs) are we talking about Jesus, or are we talking about something else? And no, (laughs) the good news is that, yeah, there was an accident at the quarry. I guess. I don't know, because she seems sad after she tells Frank uh, or Victor about it. Yeah, so she ultimately, she's like, yeah, there were seven dead bodies. Maybe eight. Yeah, yeah, and she's they're like, are they were they men or women? They're all men, mm-hmm. and they're like, interesting. And like, how bad a shape are they in? And she's like, I don't know. You'd have to go look. And they're like, well, I guess that's what we're gonna go do then. So they go body shopping, <laughs> like for real. Like, <laughs> right. The stable is being used as a makeshift morgue. There's just a bunch of bodies laid out, and they literally go and they're like, well, the, the, that guy has some good arms, and he's got you know, like this torso looks in good shape. Yeah. And so yeah, they like write down everybody so that they can like go back and dig them up later i mean i love it they're like yeah this goddard guy like he's got two good legs one of his arms is messed up that's a shame but lewis he's got two good arms we got that yeah yeah geez all right well fair enough yeah and then uh so on their way home from there they run into dr polidori dun, dun, dun. and he's real ominous like he he yeah. kind of knows they're up to no good and he's like i'm gonna be watching you well he is also up to no good henry mentions to victor that polidori tried to hypnotize him but it just didn't work because henry's so smart <laughs> yeah yeah he's just like he's he was impossible to work with he was like an old colleague of mine we don't want anything to do with him though yeah obstinate and half crazy i believe is how he <laughs> describes him Cut to later on that night, and you know Victor and Henry are robbing graves. Now this is kind of this is interesting because Clerville is like, "Give me a shovel, let me help," and Victor's like, "Nope, you're gonna have a heart attack probably if you help." So <laughs> I'm gonna do this. <laughs> yeah. Of course, Henry's like, "Well, speed it up because I don't want to get arrested." Yeah. <laughs> then it's like later on, they're already just putting the body together. It's you know they're not taking their time at all. Uh, And while they're working on it, you know, Henry kind of continues to complain about Polidori uh, and says, like, you know, he's so ignorant. One day all the world will know my name, Mm -hmm. which is funny because, you know, this this movie is called Frankenstein. (laughs) The true story. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So then, like, uh, Victor goes home for the night. Uh, You know, they kind of reach a stopping point or whatever. And we get this scene of, like, you know, Henry, like, standing in front of... Or he's, like, holding this, like, really warped funhouse mirror that makes his face look really crazy. Uh, And he's, like, practicing the speech that he's going to give whenever he gets to finally reveal his great recreated life and all that. To the king and the queen and uh, all parliament. (laughs) Yeah. But then he hears, like, a knocking, and he thinks, like, maybe somebody's at the door. Yeah. He walks over. (laughs) It's the cabinet. Uh, Yep, and it's the arm. It has escaped and is, like, crawled out of his fish tank. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. But there's something weird about that arm. Yeah, it's starting to look a little monstrous and like a I don't know exactly it just doesn't quite look as like healthy and human as it did earlier. Yeah, it almost looks like it's going back to caveman. Yeah. But Henry ends up having another attack and falls and like ends up dropping his meds and can't reach them and so he just like dies there on the floor next to his meds. Well, I mean, what do you expect when you have a, a just a hole in the middle of your room? And you oh, yeah, I forgot. That's, yeah, the pills, like, rolled. Right. It's like, well, I can't get those, and I died. Yep. <laughs> uh, yep, and so then it's the next morning. Victor arrives and, you know, finds him like that. And, you know, they were they were getting ready to, like, begin the process. Um, well, the good news is now they don't have to use a peasant's brain because Henry's brain is freshly available yeah and so victor is you know like this will be the way that i can kind of honor you and carry you on and yeah like you said this is it's going to be a better smarter brain than just some quarry worker mm-hmm. uh so he begins you know working on the revival gets everything arranged 
and gets all the the lenses oh, set the, up uh, the way they need to go. Well, he does find uh, Henry's last note that the processes are, and, he, oh, and he's yeah. like, "Oh, that means ready. The process is ready, not it, that it's uh, <laughs> rejecting or being rejected." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a, kind of a silly little gag, right. but it works. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so he gets all the lenses turned the right way and starts the revival process. And you see like all this liquid boiling and there's machines that are pumping. Mm-hmm. And like you've got like a, uh, what are those things called? Like it's got like a chest compressor. Like, like a, an iron lung almost. Yeah. And, and like there's like a thing on his chest that's like pumping that like almost, yeah, it's like breathing or pumping his heart or something. Mm-hmm. And he, at he some point. the defibrillator. Yeah, that, that's the word I was looking for. Okay. <laughs> um, and, and there's a point in the process where, like, clouds cross over the sun and everything just stops. Right. <laughs> so Victor's, like, manually pumping the bellows, but then the sun comes back out and everything kind of goes back to normal. And then there's suddenly just, like, a huge explosion, a big fireball, like, glass breaks everywhere. Everything explodes at this point, yeah. There's, like, one last, like, bright blue beam that shoots out and hits the creature and the creature like takes its first breath mm-hmm. um pretty cool and then yeah yeah and so at that time like so victor gets knocked down by the explosion so it's kind of a weird reverse because the creature gets up and walks over to, to victor, yeah. victor who's laying down and, and, you know usually you've got the doctor approaching the laying creature well and uh, Vic- by the way victor's wearing these really cool goggles that i would also <laughs> like one day uh yeah. like it has like a leather strap uh, as yeah. it had been, but th- yeah. So the the creature comes over and it sticks its hands out like it, maybe it's going to choke Victor, but instead it gingerly removes his goggles and stares in his eyes. <laughs> yeah, and like Victor removes all the creature's bandages and they they look at each other and it's like in that soft like romance lighting. Yeah, this is the gayest Frankenstein. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what that's literally what I wrote too. <laughs> Like, so, I mean, already, you know, we had, like, Victor who's like, I'd rather spend my time with Henry than you, Elizabeth. So there's already some undertones of that. But, Mm -hmm. like, from here on, like, Victor's relationship with the creature is just a romance. It is, it's super gay. Like, yeah, yeah. if you're looking for, like, you don't have to, like, dig into, like, queer reading subtext for this. It's It's right on the surface. It's text, pretty much, yeah. (laughs) I mean, he literally looks into his eyes and goes... You are my Adam. You are my perfect man. <laughs> okay, yeah. well. You are beautiful. Yes, you says. are beautiful. Uh, and the creature says his first word, which is beautiful. beautiful. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Which is interesting because this creature knows how to speak immediately. Yeah, he learns much quicker than, than most of the creatures we've seen. Right. Uh, and in fact, yeah, Victor's like, you know, you, you've you've had a, you know, it's been quite an ordeal. You should lay down to rest. Mm-hmm. And so the creature who's in like a little pair of underwear and yeah, like maybe two little bandages across his chest. Yeah. He goes to lay down and Victor tucks him in with a little blanket. Right. <laughs> and then we have Henry's funeral. Yeah. There, Polidori, like, you know, confronts Victor and gets really, like, he's really ominous. He's like, huh, this, it's a good thing the sun's out today. You know, I'd, I'd hate for it to not be nice and sunny for this if, funeral. If it were rainy, that would be really <laughs> depressing. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, he's definitely implying that he knows, about, you know, like, uh, Clerval's whole, like, sunshine thing. Like, mm-hmm. uh, he knows that Victor's up to something. Yeah, he has but, an idea, at least, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, then we, we get back to Victor at the lab. He takes the creature and takes him to his apartment. Uh, and by the, the way, know, they run it. He buys, he buys the creature a duster, but no other clothes. <laughs> yeah. Like, not for now. There, no there will shoes. be. Some... <laughs> yeah. No shoes, just duster. Yeah. That's just, I guess to just get him back to the, his apartment quickly. I guess. Uh, so they run in, you know, he runs into the landlady and he's like, this is my friend who They're was roommates. with me for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's definitely like one of those kind of, you know, like we don't talk about it. So he's right. just my friend from out of town and he he's going to stay with me until he gets on his feet. <laughs> he doesn't speak English. Don't talk to him. Yeah. Yeah. So she's like, okay, that's fine. And then they get upstairs and we get this a really nice sort of reversal because the creature sees himself in the mirror mm-hmm. and he's like, yeah, I, I look pretty good. <laughs> right, yeah. He's very confident. 
Yeah, because in this case we haven't explicitly mentioned, but like he does, like the he, creature is just a guy, very yeah. handsome man. Like yeah. he's he's not the the scarred and stitched up you know monster that we're used to seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the mirror, I believe he even points kind of to Victor, kind of to himself, and says, "Beautiful, one more time." <laughs> yeah, uh, and so then the uh, the landlady brings up some food. And Victor and the creature sit down to a nice dinner together, and yeah. like he kind of, like Victor's showing him how to eat with a knife and fork, and he's learning very quickly. You know, he just everything Victor does, he repeats, and you know, does everything. Uses the napkin to wipe his mouth, and uh, yeah. yeah, it's all. They drink all some brown liquid. Smooth. Brown liquid that suspiciously looks like the acid we'll talk about in a moment, but I think they just use that one bottle, that one decanter for everything. <laughs> And then we see, like, uh, you know, Victor kind of teaching him some some more words and, and like, you know, he, sh- he like, speaks and you can tell that he understands what Victor's saying, mm-hmm. uh, that he's not just repeating words. And Victor's so excited, he gives him a big hug. Yeah, big <laughs> hug. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we also have uh, a little game where they're, they're, like, he's like, hey, bring me some books. Bring me two books, specifically. And the monster, of course, or the creature, runs over, grabs two books. He already knows how to count. He knows the two books, and then he's like, bring me a red book, and he goes to get another book, and but while Victor, ha. Yeah, he has <laughs> the one book on the yeah creature. Yeah, the creature comes back and is like, huh? I I, there was another book here, and he looks all confused, and then he's like, oh, you rascal, you hit ah, it. Oh, you know, like, yeah. They have a good little <laughs> cheeky laugh about that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's like it's genuinely really sweet. Like their relationship uh, is is what we want for the creature. Like he has somebody who's caring for him, teaching him, helping him develop as a person. Yeah. Like yeah, this is very beautiful. And then after that, we see Victor watching the creature sleep. Yes. Which is also you know like that's just such a like a new a relationship thing. thing. Like yeah, yeah I, I, like, and he's <laughs> so peaceful when you're sleeping. He's like he 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 writes down in his journal. He's like a baby. He need, but he needs a lot of sleep because he's a growing boy, and uh, but he also has a lot of nightmares. Not only that, I mean everything's perfect about him except he's twenty five degrees cooler than most humans. That's that's seventy one degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> I don't I yeah. don't know that he should be have a healthy pallor at that point. Shouldn't he be blue? Yeah, you would think. Yeah. So then we see like later on, Victor comes home. He's been out somewhere. And he doesn't see the creature. Where could he be? Uh, and he pops up from behind him and gives him a big hug and, like, twirls him around. Yeah. yeah. The, remember the subtext? It's text. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the reason that Victor was out was he was picking up a gift for the creature, New which clothes. is a really fancy, like, it's a nice bespoke suit. Mm-hmm. They're going to the <laughs> and, opera for a, their date. Yeah. And he's like, you shall be the greatest dandy in town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And the creature again sees himself in the mirror, all you know, all dolled up in his new suit, and again says, "Beautiful." Aww, there's a door. yeah. So they they go to the opera together. At some point, they meet this like drunken countess, Countess the, Duval. She has the worst accent. <laughs> like, she, which what accent? Like she's <laughs> she didn't decide on one because she goes between French, British. And maybe Scottish? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a mess. Yeah. And she's kind of trying to flirt with both both Victor and the creature. And, you know, they, they are clearly not receptive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she clearly, you know, she's still believe She's a little bit older, so she's not out of her prime exactly. But she also tries to entice them with her 30,000 francs. And they're like, <laughs> yeah. nah, we're good. <laughs> we're together. <laughs> But the creature does speak a, like really fluent French to her a little bit, yeah. even though Victor's like he doesn't speak any English or French, you know, or or any maybe. European language, and then he pops off with the French. <laughs> yeah, we also see Polidori. He's also at the opera from like across like the crowded like lobby or whatever. He kind of like you know gives him the stink eye, like he's like, yeah. oh yeah, I know what's going on. No lines, just menace. <laughs> So then, yeah, they're back at home later, and Victor's like, I'm so proud of you. You did so well. You're so well-spoken, and, you know, I'm so glad my brother didn't die in vain. Mm-hmm. He led me to you, and you are going to teach us all how to live better. Yep, you're going to bring me joy, happiness, and the music of the divine, just like Figaro. <laughs> yeah. So then we see him watching the creature sleep again. He, so he's just kind of watching him, like, you know, taking some notes or whatever, and then he walks away, 
And then the camera is like, hey, Victor didn't notice something. Audience, let me show you real carefully. Right. And zooms in. He's got some like weird growths kind of appearing behind his ear. Yeah, kind of like boobos, if you know what those are. Yeah. Uh, and so then the, uh, the next morning, Victor is like packing up a trunk. He's putting like some books away. And he hears a sound. And then that's when he goes over and that pesky arm has gotten out of the cabinet again uh, what's it up to now <laughs> that pesky now it looks way more monstrous than it did when clerval saw it mm -hmm. uh, it's definitely just like a caveman arm at this point uh, it's all kind of dark and got a little bit of, like hair growing on it it's just lumpy it's just not a smooth normal human arm well victor has a cure for that uh that that's that <laughs> bottle of acid that we or whiskey or whatever uh, he decides he's just going to dump a little bit of that on the arm. And we get a really cool, like, kind of gore effect as it melts away. And you get you see the bones and everything. Like, they, they really put some effort into making this look cool. Yeah, I mean, the way it dissolves, it well, you're seeing it in real time. And I'm like, I kind of want to know how they did that. That was really cool. I don't know if it was like a uh, like actual acid on a pro latex arm. But I don't know how it wouldn't get to the, the bone underneath. I don't know. I really liked it is what I'm saying. Yeah, it looked good. Mm -hmm. Then the creature shows up, and he's like, oh, you found your way over to the lab on your own. You're such a uh, smart boy. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, is something the matter? Let me take a look at you. Right. And then he kind of, you know, he looks over the creature's hands kind of very lovingly the way he, like, caresses them. Right. And the creature, like, kind of looks back at Victor's hands. <laughs> they both are just kind of, like, feeling each other's hands and just, they're just <laughs> holding hands, basically. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, in fact, then they just go for a walk in the park, park together. Yeah. They dress up in their dandy suits, and yeah, they have a little, nice day in the park. But while they're doing that, uh, Dr. Polidori is uh, visiting their home. Yeah, and uh, he asks to, uh, he wants to rent a room, is what he tells the landlady. She's like, sorry, I've just got the one, and it's occupied. And he's like, well, I don't need it for a while. Can I just take a look at it for when it's open later? And she's like, no, nah, I don't think, you know, I don't think Victor would like that. Well, uh, he, Dr. Polidori doesn't take no for an answer, so he just... <laughs> Whips out his handy-dandy hypnotizing mirror <laughs> and flashes, uh, I'm assuming, Miss Blair. Yeah, and it's like a these are not the droids you're looking right? for kind of thing. Like, he instantly just hypnotizes her and is like, you're going to show me the room. And she's like, yeah, sure, I'll show you the room. <laughs> right. So they go upstairs, and then we cut away to the park, and there's like a little girl approaching Victor and the creature. There's definitely some, like, Maria vibes here. Well, not only that, but a little bit of stranger. You know, this kid should have stranger danger. <laughs> yeah. But the creature's like, you know, he's like excited to see the little girl just the way Karloff's creature was in the original. He smiles, he picks her up, he's like all happy. But when he does so... Yeah, Victor finally sees the gross behind his ears and he's like, uh-oh, that's not good. And he thinks back to the monstrous arm, you know, something, something's going on here. He's like, set her down, you know, we, we've got to go. He kind of leads the creature away and we cut back to... Polidori inspecting the room and seeing all of the science equipment. And he's like, those fools are still playing with electricity. Right. Ah, uh, his fear of electricity. It'll get him one day, I'm sure. <laughs> and so, yeah, he, he's like, okay, I've seen, I've seen enough. He goes back downstairs with the landlady and unhypnotizes her and then leaves. By the way, it's just like flipping a switch. You're just like, and you're done being hypnotized. And she's like, I'm done being hypnotized. What were we talking about? I'll, I'll let you know about the rooms whenever it comes open though. <laughs> yeah we cut to victor taking notes again and he mentions it's like voiceover and he mentions that this is three weeks later mm -hmm. uh and in that time he has confined the creature for observation right it's mandibles and occipital bone is like they're increasing in size yeah so so whatever happened to the arm is is also happening to the creature mm -hmm. Uh, he continues to slowly change, particularly while he's asleep, uh, and especially when he is having nightmares. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely, like, that feels a little bit supernatural in a way or something. Like, there's, right. like, something, some kind of, like, non-scientific something is happening that's causing the creature to slowly Mr. Hyde, basically. Right. Or, or maybe while it's sleeping, it's having some growth spurts. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, but Victor doesn't like this, and he doesn't want his, his beautiful creature seeing that he's not so beautiful no more. So he goes on a little bit of a bender and breaks the mirrors. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he smashes, like, the big full-length one that they've been using throughout. And the creature, of course, hears this and, like, walks out and, you know, sees that Victor's upset. And he kind of, like, grabs his, him. And grabs his face, cr like, he caresses his face. 
lovingly and like wipes his tears away like mm-hmm. yeah this is this is very intimate stuff here mm-hmm. and the creature he's not like he he's slightly more monstrous at this point he's not like drastically hideous but like you can tell his you know his brow is getting a little bit more pronounced he's, like he's, he's getting got a, a solid bit more br- like yeah brickhead basically at this yeah point. Oh, yeah. Then the landlady kind of is talking to Victor, and she's like, I want to help with your sick friend's care. And uh, Victor's like, you know, no, I, you know, have you forgotten? I'm a medical doctor. Like, I've got this under control. I yeah, don't yeah. need a landlady to help me deal with a sick person. Well, she's like, I, I nursed my, my children, uh, my brood, I think she even calls them, uh, <laughs> to health from chickenpox, measles, mumps, all the things. And he's like, nope, I'm a doctor. This is infectious disease. Be gone. So he goes back and he's talking to the creature, and the creature wants to see Figaro again. He keeps, yeah. you know, just saying Figaro. And Victor's like, no, sit and eat. And he's like, Figaro. And he's like, sit down, damn you. Yeah, and just yell, like, as an abusive boyfriend, just yells at the creature. Yeah, and, like, it hurts him. Like, he's confused. Like, you've never spoken to me like that before. I don't, I don't know what I did. But and so he's... Yeah, he sits down, and then he, like, repeats it at Victor, like, sit down, damn you. Mm-hmm. I think Victor kind of, like, breaks a little bit there, like, oh, no, this is, I shouldn't be doing, you know, he doesn't know what's going on. I, I shouldn't be treating him this way. Right, well, that doesn't hold for too long, but. Yeah. So, in fact, like, he goes, like, the creature gets up and goes and gets some more books and brings them to Victor, like, yeah. either to read or to play their little fun book game. Yeah, he's trying to brighten up Victor's spirits, and Victor is not having it. Yeah. And then we see, like, later on again, the creature's sleeping, and Victor's watching. He watches for a little bit, and then he leaves. And then it turns out the creature was not actually asleep. He was... was, (laughs) Yeah. He was fake. So, yeah, so once Victor's gone, the creature gets up. He gets dressed up in his suit. Yes, his coattails. His coattails and (laughs) cape. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, it's very like the you know the young Frankenstein costume, like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yep, so he's like, I'm gonna go see Figaro. So. Yeah, Dad won't take me. I'm going by myself. Yeah, but however, the landlady Miss Blair decides Victor's gone. This is my chance to see what's going on in there. So she sneaks in, and the creature's there, and she sees you know this kind of monstrous face creature. Well, he's he hears he hears her knocking or coming up the stairs, and he's like, oh, Victor's coming back. It's time to play my game. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, as as she enters, she walks down the halls. No one's there. She's like, "Huh, nobody's here." And he just jumps out of nowhere. And goes, "Figaro!" <laughs> and she freaks out and basically passes out at that point. Yeah, and it's really so. Yeah, she screams and kind of like collapses. And it, I was like, "Is she dead or did she faint?" Uh, and it, that becomes kind of confusing as it goes because like she, yeah, we'll we'll get to it. But so yeah, she just kind of collapses and uh, she had a heart attack. yeah Mm -hmm. uh and like it cuts away to victor he is at the church again and he wants to speak to the priest then we cut back to the creature and he's sitting next to the landlady just collapsed there and he's like figaro right just caressing her hand too by the way (laughs) and she's like mumbling maybe but maybe not like she's in some weird half dead state at this point of shock it's it's kind of kind of weird i don't know and then we cut back to to victor again and he at you know while we've been cut away he's told the priest everything and the priest is like i think you need to see a doctor can, yeah can we talk <laughs> about this was a low-key poliachi joke <laughs> you know right <laughs> that's right <laughs> He's, he's yeah, like, you're you're not wrong. You know, it's like you know the depressed the depressed doctor comes to see the Claire the prayer priest, and he's yeah. like, "Listen, I've made this awful monster, you know," and the priest is like, "Hey, uh, buddy, uh, you sound a little crazy. You need to go see a doctor." And then Frankenstein, the doctor says, "I am a doctor." <laughs> ba boom boom. So the, the priest is like, "Well, I, I mean, I don't know, you know." Doctors can also, you know, go insane. Mm-hmm. Like, doctors can also lose their grip on reality. But somehow he's like, okay, well, I guess if you're a doctor, then you're telling the truth. Yeah. In which case, God help, help you, you because you're, you've created an abomination. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. You've just <laughs> defied God. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, Victor heads home. Uh, and when he gets there, all the doors are open and sees the landlady laying there. And she's kind of starting to wake up. And so he kind of kneels down next to her, and she's like, figure <laughs> There's a lot of black comedy in this, is what we're saying. <laughs> but yeah, then and she just presumably dies. 
Yeah, so like, I don't know what happened that she was only fainted and now is suddenly dead, mm-hmm. but thankfully she, you know, mustered up enough energy to give Victor the clue he needed. <laughs> yeah, because once uh, you say Figaro, he's like, damn it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh shit, I know what's going on. So he runs out uh, and manages to catch up to the creature before he gets to the opera. And, you know, the creature's like, but you know, Figaro, we're almost there. Let's go see Figaro. Well, not only that, but this is the first time we see the creature in, an, like, ominous lighting. You know, he, yeah, he, and, he doesn't look necessarily, he looks less than human in this one. Yeah, yeah. He's either, yeah, either it's the lighting or else he's even, you know, expanded further from when we saw him earlier mm-hmm. uh, after the mirror smashing. But, like, yeah, he's he's definitely prena- looks more like the Frankenstein that we come to expect at this point. Yeah. Victor's like, no, we cannot go see Figaro. And he takes the creature back inside and says, look, she's dead. You did that. The creature's kind of shocked, like, you know, he didn't he didn't mean to kill her. I mean, it, it's like a child, you know? He didn't mean to do anything. It just kind of happened. Yeah, and so then we get, like, this, another scene of Victor writing in his journal. Uh, and, like, this feels like, you know, if this has been, like, this sort of, like, gay romance, this is, like, where the things are kind of falling apart in their relationship. Like, mm-hmm. he says something about, like, I feel imprisoned by this creature that I've made. Like, I'm stuck here. I can't go anywhere. And, you know, I, I don't want to be part of this anymore. Yeah, they're they're at um, Henry's Haunted Mansion at this point. So, uh, yeah. But Victor takes a look and he's like, you know, I know the one way to get out of this. And that's that decanter with that brown-ass liquid in there. <laughs> That's gonna fix all of our problems. Maybe I'll pour it on myself and the monster or the creature, and then it'll all be fine because we'll be gone. But he decides not to do that. And instead, like it cuts to the creature waking up, and he sees that Victor is asleep, mm-hmm. and he kind of like walks over to him, and like you know the creature, he's 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 kind of been kept in the dark about the way things are falling apart. Like he hasn't, you know, he hasn't seen himself in a mirror. He doesn't realize things have changed. He, I mean, he knows Victor has changed, but he doesn't really know why. Right. Uh, and so he kind of approaches Victor and, like, kind of lovingly, like, pushes hair back. For, you know, his hair's fallen in front of his eyes. He kind of pushes it back. And then it feels like something clicks because suddenly he's like, oh, I need to find a mirror. Right. It's, and it's, he's, he t- starts touching his own face a little bit. And he's like, hey, yeah. I'm different now. Something's different about me. And he keeps finding, like, shattered bits of mirror that he can't see anything in. Uh, but finally he does find this little square that is not cracked. Um, and he sees himself and just starts like crying and screaming. Not Uh, beautiful no more. Yeah. Yeah. Like this, you know, we, we've seen so many versions of this where the creature sees that he's not beautiful, but this, because he once was, the impact here is, is obviously a lot harder. You know, he's he's just crushed that, like, something has changed. And now he understands why Victor has started to treat him differently and won't let him go to the opera. Like, everything just clicks into place. And, of course, after he's sad for a moment, he decides to take the Victor route and uh, decides he's going to end it. And how should he end it? But by grabbing a shard of glass and stabbing himself in the heart. Yeah. Except um, uh, that didn't work the way he planned it. Yeah, he's he's fine. Like, he's just bleeding, but he does not seem to be, you know, slowed down at all. And Victor kind of wakes up at this point, you know, is awake cause from the screaming and everything. And the creature, they kind of, like, look at each other, and he, the creature runs outside. And there's a big kind of field that leads to, like, a cliffside. Yeah, it's, it's definitely the cliffs of Dover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got the nice, like, white, white cliff cliffs. faces and yeah. stuff. But so the creature's kind of running towards the cliff, and Victor's like, stop! And he does, and kind of turns back and is like, okay, you know, y- you stopped me. Now you've got to tell me something to convince me that my life is worth continuing. Well, and- <laughs> Victor doesn't do that. Yeah, Victor's got nothing. So they just <laughs> stare at each other for a minute, and the creature turns back and heads back to the cliff. Yep. You know, j- jumps off and falls, turns into you know, a dummy. Into the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> turns into a dummy halfway through. I really actually was like, "Is that a dummy that, that that's living that's moving around pretty good?" But yeah, I, I had to stop and be like, "Okay, yep, gotcha." Yeah, it, it is a dummy, but it's definitely one of the better dummies going off a cliff that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Like it, because a lot of times, you know, they just start flopping in an <laughs> right? inhuman way. This one only bends at the places it's supposed to in the directions it's supposed to. Yeah. So it's a it's a higher quality dummy, but yeah, yeah still, still definitely a dummy. a dummy. I mean, they're not going to throw a real person off, but still, <laughs> you know, you could drop them uh, from about twenty feet up. It'll be fine. <laughs> and you know, of course, Victor like looks on, watches him fall. Then we just cut to the creature waking up 
on a beach, you know, all wet. He's washed up on a shore somewhere. Mm. Uh, and he just kind of like gets up and just starts like walking off down the beach. And then we get end of part one. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So obviously, as we mentioned, this is the gayest uh, Frankenstein. Nothing wrong with that. Definitely. I feel that whenever the turn comes, it's going to be even sadder because we have had those tender, like nice moments with the creature and Victor. And yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, oof. But, you know, so far, I'm not sold. I think the uh, Dan Curtis one's winning me over so far. We'll see. What yeah, the, there's some, the, the tragedy there where they just kept missing each other and never were connected was, yeah, that really worked for me. I felt like it was just a slight reinterpretation of the book. Like, it just took took the basic idea of the book and just, like, turned the notch up just a little bit so that it made a little bit more sense and made it a little bit more painful. Mm-hmm. This is a, a whole different animal. Like, this romance and everything, like, I, I mean, I think it's a great story, but it's it's definitely a very different interpretation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm here for it. Yeah, and like you said, obviously, part two is going to be much more heartbreaking because of everything we've experienced in part one. Absolutely. So let's see where that takes us next time. All right, so where can they find us, Anthony? Yeah, you can find us on, you know, Twitter and Instagram at the Frankencast. You can email us, thefrankencast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And you can also find us on Patreon. Yeah. Patreon.com slash the Frankencast. Don't feel obligated, but it does help us fund our evil experiments and, uh, you know, our eventual attempts to take over the world or at least raise a few dead bodies. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of cases uh, when shows pitch you on the patreon they always say like it helps us keep the lights on mm-hmm. but for us you know it's going to help us keep the the science wheels spinning mm-hmm. um, and the so. dead bodies coming to life <laughs> yeah yeah so we definitely would love to have you there we're, we're kind of we've got two tiers we're doing either two or four episodes depending on on you know how much you want to to give mm-hmm. um yeah and it's been fun so far we're you know we've i think our fourth episode just came out yesterday as we're recording so it'll, it'll be a little bit from there but uh yeah we you know we've we've talked about the monsters we've talked about mary shelley's novel in more detail uh we've also just pitched some ideas for frankenstein movies we'd like to see yeah. and talked about what even counts as a frankenstein movie yeah so good uh that that's one of my favorites yeah me too <laughs> yeah all right yeah but uh you know uh, you can also find us on youtube but let's talk about our patrons uh we definitely have hayden or and we've got Santos as well. Santos. Uh, and, yeah. And um, Santos w- just jumped up from, from the, the lower tier to the higher tier just today. So, uh, Listen, so thank Santos you for... has always been higher tier to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So, I mean, you know, he, he joined in and enjoyed what he was seeing and decided to, to get more from it even. So, so yep, we thank you very much for that. And yeah. uh, hope to, to have both of you for a very long time and hope to see many more of you join as well. Yeah, absolutely. We got anything else for him? I think that covers it until we uh, come back with part two next week. Wait, so we really are to be continued? <laughs> Looks like you survived another episode. The Freaking Cast is a production of FCR Media. It's hosted by Anthony Bowman and Eric Velasquez. Follow us on Twitter at The Freaking Cast or send us a letter at thefreakingcast at gmail.com. Our cover art is by Amanda Keller. You can find her at Keller Illustrations on Instagram. Our theme music is by Vivek Abhishek. Thanks for listening. I'm sorry for ruining